I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at Pooley Shrew. It's Andy Davies. Andy, what's going on, buddy? Hey there, buddy. How are you? You okay? I'm all right. I found out an interesting fact uh, about you in uh, pre-production. I'm happy about it. <laughs> Do tell. You're... One quarter Irish. I like it. I like that. I, I like when I find out that people are Irish. I don't know why. It's like when you're in Ireland and then you get annoyed sometimes that you're like, oh, geez, I want to get away from this country. And then when you're over in Spain, you just want to hang out with Irish people. That's kind of the same as what's going on, Andy. I found <laughs> out you're quite... I was wondering why we got on so well. I was wondering why you were so goddamn sound. And now it all makes sense to me now. Yeah, I was going back to my roots last weekend. That's what it was. <laughs> That's about, really. what it was. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, Anna Kath would have been well proud. Yeah, because Dublin meet up. So we met up and we had to drown our sorrows. That's kind of the excuse. So, I mean, us Irish, we get a bad stick for being alcoholics the majority of the time. Uh, but we had an excuse. Andy, give us a feeling for how you how you felt the Dublin meet up went despite the game. Good time for you? Yeah, great weekend. Yeah, it was all a bit of a mad rush for me, wasn't it? Sort of <laughs> in and out of Dublin airport and then straight into the game, which was which was good fun, really good fun. I think Phil's pushing for a starting position at QB this weekend, isn't he, for the, yeah. for the Packers? For and, um, <laughs> and then for the first drive, it was uh, it was pretty raucous, wasn't it, in the in the place? And um, the guys were getting behind the Packers, and then after that, the atmosphere sort of dipped a little bit based on performance. But we still had a great night, um, way into the early hours as well, which was good fun. We had a great night in spite of an awful lot, I think, because when we went and set up the flag game, first off, rain wasn't forecasted, and of course. <laughs> The minute game time hits, it starts pissing then, right? So, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what do you call her? Uh, Lady Nature or Mother Nature or something? You, that real MVP. Big shout out to you. Um, so that happened. And then Memorial Park. So the, the <laughs> Wellington Monument thing, right? So the amount of land. And we went on and it was good, right? So it was sort of mown grass. Uh, we had a few kind of, I don't know, tractor marks in it. A few donut sort of things where people had driven on it. There was stud marks and stuff. But we thought, you know, it's this really nice. We set up, we played a little bit, and then the OPW, which is like the, you know, the Office of Public Works. What did he do, Andy? They drive across in this big old Jeep. He politely asked us to move along, chaps. I think that's what he was exact for it as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, because you're you're ruining the grass. Uh, as you look behind him, he had left a sort of trail of destruction where he'd driven his <laughs> yeah. four by four across the, the the sort of turf, and oh. we were we were shipped along, weren't we? And he said. His actual words were, you can go and play over there. And he pointed towards this sort of wasteland, didn't he? It was like in between some football pitches. Uh, and we moved along. It was about it was about to my thigh, I think, the grass. Uh, yeah. I think he was expecting us to play football on there. But we actually found a, a better spot. I thought it was quite cool, wasn't it, eventually? Yeah. Nice and flat. And lads were playing soccer kind of just a little bit up. But like that could have been... I, I was spelling disaster. I was thinking, Jesus, that crap. I, you know, we organised one Irish meetup and it turned super Irish. We ended up in a field <laughs> digging turf at the same time just trying to play football. It was ridiculous. But yeah, it ended up all right. But for, I don't know whether it was just that there was more people playing. Usually, or I don't know whether I'm just playing with you most of the time, Andy. Usually it goes quite well for me. But I'm pretty sure every pass I attempted was picked off. Can you... Like as an analyst, and we, we analysed the Packers... Can you tell me what the hell happened? <laughs> well, you you went well because you had about 10 minutes uh, in the huddle. I was going to call you for delay again most of the time, to be fair. Um, we just said, so, are we going to call plays? We're like, nah, fuck it. Let's just go for it. <laughs> 
So there was two things, wasn't there, running against you in terms of uh, circumstances. It was wet. Yeah. So we had this synthetic ball. So when you throw those balls wet, they are they just sort of slip out of your hand. So I'm not making excuses for you. For all of us QBs who played QB that day, it was it was tough. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is we were playing seven on seven. So on a small pitch like that, it is more crowded. So you are thrown into pretty tight coverage most of the time. So it is more difficult to complete passes. When you're playing five on five, there's a bit more room to manoeuvre and a bit more mm. a bit more open space. Um, uh, with a leather ball as well, it's a, it's a little bit different. So... Um, yeah, it was to be expected QBs would have a rough old day at the office. I tell you, I accept all of your excuses and I'm rolling with every single one of them and I might add some more. <laughs> but you know what happened to me? Like a big shout out to Jill Briggs. All right, I want to shout out to Jill Briggs here because like every pass I threw her way, picked off every everyone. And it's just, it was like, you know, the start of Mr. Bean, you know, the show when he comes in and the spotlight comes on him. Like Jill Briggs, when I looked at, I don't know why I'm saying her full name, like she's in trouble, Gillian Briggs. Gillian Katrina Briggs so when I looked at her and I was thinking she's she's open and I went to her and then all of a sudden she's picked off and the only other person I think I tried to throw at was uh, uh, Dermot and I went to hit Dermot and this guy is he must be what is he Andy 7 foot 5 and I overthrew him <laughs> I was thinking what's happened like I'm small I can't I can't even throw it up that high I don't, I don't know atmospheric pressure I God knows. Yeah, and that's when Phil stepped in, isn't it? Phil had enough yeah. at that point. I think there's one yeah. of the picture somewhere, isn't it, on the internet somewhere I've seen it on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere, and it's a great picture. And it's a picture of Jill and Charlotte walking back to the huddle, and they're, they're giving you the evil eyes, like yeah. two sort of um, wide receivers, diva style, you know, <laughs> real divas. You're like, give, give me, just give me the goddamn ball. I love they say on the internet somewhere like it's on Getty Images or something. You know what I mean? As if it's kind of up there. As part of, you know, Evan Siegel was shooting us that day. Yeah. Evan Siegel for the Packers. Um, but yeah, look, we went on to the pub, hit the wool shed, uh, drowned our sorrows. We got thoroughly trounced by you and the boys. To make it worse, you gave me a sort of a sleeve like Buzz Lightyear, you know, a Tom Brady sleeve with all the plays on it. Didn't help whatsoever because like I was like, let's do this play. And no one knew what color they were, or what they were supposed to do. So everyone just decided to run around like headless chickens. And that's what I'm blaming on the play as well. Went to the wool shed. Uh, most people who bought tickets well everyone who bought a ticket had two vouchers and the food was pretty decent as well uh, the company was great and we had a great spot as well so massive shout out to the Woolshed and all the staff there Colette and the staff um, for putting up with us but I don't know we don't really want to get into the game Andy uh, against the Ravens but it certainly wasn't what we previewed on the podcast it really did seem like like you sort of alluded to right that open and drive went well uh, there on after we just crumbled Brett Hundley who arguably the one thing that he was kind of doing well was looking after the ball he was dinking and dunking and playing it safe and what kind of struck me was is that people said oh look at Mike McCarthy like why don't they just unleash Hundley I mean what's the worst that can happen and yeah that's the worst that can happen we've seen what happened against the Ravens that's answer like question answered so uh, I don't know how you feel about it here Andy like Brett Hundley is the Brett Hundley era as short as it is over in Green Bay are we stuck with him do we have to go with him because Mike McCarthy came out after and said no he's going to stick with him is this to be expected you know is this his ceiling because I know we talked about it before and we're like Jesus Steve like he's only just started a couple of games but you know are we seeing what we're going to get from Hundley at this stage yeah pretty much yeah I think when you um, when you hit the field in any sport you expect to there's a few things you expect and then those overriding factors decide who wins a game and and it's for me it's about passion desire ability and the and the coaching level that you operate under and in all, all four assets of across the board we were beaten fair and squarely i thought we were out coached I, I thought the entire coaching squad was was poor on the day um, ability when you look around 
Um, we were already struggling with injuries, obviously, uh, and it was further compounded on the day, wasn't it? So ability-wise, I think we're, I think there's quite a few NFL analysts who would agree in, in terms of where we are with ability in, in our in our squad. I think we we're probably in the bottom quartile now of NFL talent. Um, but I didn't see any passion uh, or limited passion and desire, and that's the worrying thing to me. I don't know about you, but you know, I went to a soccer game on Saturday and. I went. It's one of the probably the best games I've seen in the last twenty years, yeah. which was full of passion, full of desire, full of people willing to work for each other, and mm. and maybe he's not the most talented of people, but they put it all in, left it all on the field, and 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 produced a victory. And I lost my voice. So when I got to Dublin, actually, I had no voice. <laughs> um, come Monday, it was even worse. But that was because it was just such a, a such a level that the the supporters feed off that. They see that effort. They see that desire. They see that team ethic. They, that will to win. And supporters feed off that, don't you? So the noise that was created from the stands was was amazing. And I think that sort of helps drive the players on. Uh, and I've said it a couple of weeks ago, but Lambeau seems quiet to me. I don't think there was anything there for them to cheer off. And we sat there watching the game in a bar. And for the first three first downs, we all give it, a, yeah, you know, when you completed a pass and Adams pulled in the first down, you feel that collective, yes. After that, it was quiet in the pub. After that, it was quiet in Lambeau. And, and it's, you know, you've got to feed the passion haven't you and it, then it comes together that home field advantage and I didn't see any of that no. I, I didn't see any of it and, and, and Brett Punty was poor uh, uh, you know every position you can look across I thought it was poor right the way across the board um, the frustrating thing is I don't find myself as angry as I normally am when the Packers lose because I'm almost expecting that level of performance now it's, you've almost like a sense of apathy around it and that's you know to look around Lambeau at six, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and it's half empty. That's pretty demoralising, isn't it, to see that? Yeah. Well, like, do you know what? And that's kind of alien to, to I don't know, to me as a Packer fan I'm from, from looking at it. I mean, we're always given this spiel about how, you know, true Packer fans stay till the end. And I was talking to a guy who was at the game and he was saying that. He was like, you know, he looked down with, with, with the same amount of time to go, like six, seven minutes. And he said it was maybe 25% full and... There was no sort of, you know, getting any pep from the fans, as you say. The the players weren't putting their all into it. It's just strange. I mean, the, there's some anomalies here, and we're going to move on because I don't think... Because, look, the podcasts are pretty difficult these days, and we didn't do the post-review podcast for two reasons. One, is your voice gone? Uh, Ryan is still currently sitting in a house. Let, let's give people a Ryan update, actually, because people are kind of thinking, Jesus Christ, what happened to that guy? Did he, you know, is he buried underneath some, uh, is he buried underneath the house that he bought? Uh, well, in a way, um, <laughs> so Ryan is, so we got the new house and everyone was really happy for him. We were great. We we're like, okay, okay, brilliant. And, you know, we discussed, well, you're going to switch over your internet to the new place. And he was like, yeah, it might take a while. So, he doesn't have Wi-Fi, but to add to that, he's just realized that he's going to have to rewire the whole house. <laughs> so he's kind of thinking. So currently, if you can imagine Ryan Peacock, beard and all, hat on, maybe an extra uh, jacket because it's going to be cold, is in his house probably with a candle now. So we can kind of, we could probably take the piss out of him on the podcast, Andy, because I don't think he has the wear with all and the equipment to actually listen in. He's probably back in 1800s england right now which you know a dunny kind of on the side and, and throwing the stuff out the top window so it's grim times for for ryan but anyway it was number one is that uh i'm like billy Connolly coming back to a topic so number one is that your voice had gone uh i was actually i was struck down by a like a, a pretty nasty bug and i didn't even drink that much to be honest because i was too busy going around sort of socializing catching up with people um i came down with a pretty nasty bug the next day um, and as well as that second reason, the game was just absolutely grim. So, like, looking at this, 
this upcoming game is that I see some anomalies with kind of how this really should be going with us. Because we and Ryan get into a debate about interceptions and, and he was saying that every interception that the cornerback or safety comes down when or whatever, that, you know, it's a good play by that player. I disagreed. And then I got into another debate with a guy called Matt and he was trying to say that, you know, an interception is a good play by the defense because they're putting on that pressure up front. Now that I subscribe to, but I didn't subscribe to the fact that the cornerback, it's a good play by him because I use the example that if the wide receiver burned the cornerback and the and the quarterback just underthrew that wide receiver by a good 10 yards because he's, he's poo-poo and the cornerback comes down with it, he'd been flat-footed, he'd been left for dead and ended up coming down with it. Anyway, that was my point. But Matt was right and that's what I said to Matt. I did agree with him. You get that pressure up front, it creates more turnovers. So, I mean, when I look at, uh, and again, uh, we're affiliates of Pro Football Focus, and when I look at Pro Football Focus, they do this uh, nice little snazzy sort of, uh, you know, graphic where they show you, you know, the two teams against each other. And I'm looking at the, the Packers defense versus the Steelers offense, and I see that up front we're stacked. You know, like Perry is, is great, and anything above 80 is, is seen as, you know, really good, and anything above, I think, about 85 is seen as elite. So Perry's a grade of 81. Daniel's 87.6. Kenny Clark even better than that. 88.6. Clay Matthews, 82.6. Blake Martinez, 81.9. We're all getting A's and B's so far. You know what I mean? We're doing really well. Uh, these people, if they were in school, will all qualify as doctors. But then if you look at what we have in the secondary, so Hawkins, 67.6. He's in the orange. Randall is in the red with 43.4. House, 50.9. Evans, 49.9. Josh Jones, surprisingly, is 42.8. So although we're getting that production up front with the big guys, we're not reaping the benefits in the back end. And they like... This is event. This is what this is the death knell against any type of of passing quarterback, isn't it? Really, because if you can rush Big Ben, he's got the number one wide wide receiver in Antonio Brown. He's class as absolutely out of this world elite. He's got a score of ninety one point nine in Pro Football Focus. And what we find always undoes the Packers. And correct me if I'm wrong. We only need to go up against one elite wide receiver, and he's a field day all day every day. We've seen it with Julio Jones. Uh, we've seen it against the Vikings, right, when they've had, you know, top 10 wide receivers. This doesn't look like it's going to get any better because the secondary are still very poor. Do you subscribe to that? And and do you agree with the bookies who say that the Steelers are two touchdown favourites over the Packers in this upcoming game? Yeah, nothing's changed, has it? So nothing's changed in the, in the style of defence that we play. Nothing's changed in the personnel. You do what you do, you get the same results. Um, I think it the only sort of sprig of optimism I would have is it reminds me a little bit of the game against New England a few years ago I think it was three years ago when Rodgers went down and we had Matt Flynn mm. at QB and I think we were two touchdown underdogs for that game as well weren't we um, but I came out of that game thinking although we got beat I came out of that game thinking there was glimmers of hope there was reasons for optimism there was some yeah. signs that the running game was there there was some real sort of signs that the receiving core were, were on fire there was some signs that the defence would be more opportunistic. I, I, I don't see that in this team. We're doing the same things now as we were at week one of week four, of 2014, to be honest. The defence <laughs> just doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right. Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryan, Le'Veon Bell, tight ends, uh, you know, they must be licking their chops playing against the Packers. Um, I think so, I saw something on Twitter the other day that said that... Um, 
what Brett Huntley needs is to play against the Packers' defense. That's what Brett Huntley needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. he must look like a boss in practice. And that, that's the problem. Well, you've got to wonder, haven't you? You've got to wonder, uh, is that the case? Because he looks good at you know in practice. And you know, that was I thought he played really poor. I think he made some really poor decisions. And I think he started second-guessing himself, didn't he, as, as it became, as it unraveled a little bit. Um and I think that you know his his his, his confidence is very fragile, and it just proved to be sort of um, I think he just second guessed himself, and that's why you need strong coaching and significant play calling to help him out. I just don't think he gets that. I don't think he gets. I don't think he played very well, but I don't think he got any support from McCarthy. And I thought McCarthy in the um, post game presser, his digging out of Devontae Mays was poor as well. I thought that was poor. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was poor play calling on his part for his first play in the NFL, a stretch play to the left, which was just asking for trouble. And um, I don't think he helped him in any shape or form. I don't know if we helped the offense or defense without play calling on Sunday yet again. So. Yeah, I felt bad for Mays because I think we were all excited in the room to see it. And then when we saw the, the turnover happen, we were like, oh, Jesus, I mean, that's not going to do him any favors. And then, I don't know, Andy, like... It, that sounds so woeful. I don't know, Andy. Like, I have my hand up on my forehead <laughs> like a 1950s actress. It's just that, like, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for three years and the stuff that he learned. And what what did he go in his first season? of Something like eight and eight, wasn't it, from memory? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was something like that. Don't mean to put, put anybody on the spot. I think he went eight and eight. Um, and there was still the shoots there and he lost some close games and there was enough to go by that the fan base decided to stick with him. Now, if Aaron Rodgers decided he was in the same boat and he was going to retire and Brett Hundley came in, at this stage, there would be no placards put up to say, stick with Hundley, he's our man. <laughs> you know, and I mean, he's making some mistakes, like you said. You know, I like, well, I'm seeing some real rookie stuff. There was one stage that I was, I don't know who I was chatting to and I looked up and I saw him sort of, you know, get flushed out of the pocket and he just punted, just literally launched the ball high up into the air. It must have taken at least four minutes to come back down again. It was a la Aaron Rodgers against the Lions, although Aaron Rodgers ends up coming down with, you know, a last gasp uh, into the end zone, Hail Mary success. Wasn't the case to be for Hundley because he just pegged the ball up. and it, Well, it was in the air and I said, oh, Jesus, never do that. Never do this isn't good. And all of a sudden, interception, you know, and it's just, it's the obvious stuff and it's the it's the rookie stuff. And that's not Mike McCarthy letting Brett Hundley loose. You know, that's just Hundley just, I don't know, having sort of a brain fart moment. No, I agree, but I think if you swapped him over, so if you said to like, Brett, you go into the Vikings, you're playing in Minnesota's offense next week, and Case Keenum, you're playing in the Packers' offense this week. Mm. I'd like to see the comparison between the two. Case Keenum, you watched him play tonight in the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Adam Thielen's got, you know, suddenness to his roots and he makes separation. So he makes the quarterback's job a lot easier. You know, with Stefan Diggs, he's got speed to burn and he gets separation very quickly. He makes his life easier. John you know, Randall, the tight end, you know, great. He was four or five yards open. So although he showed composure and he's, he's, he's placed the perfect throw, the point I'm trying to make is he's got options. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think Huntley's going through his progression and it's, he's not great at that. He was never great at that coming out of college. He's not the answer. He was never going to be the full-time answer. There's never going to be any QP controversy. We're not, let's not kid ourselves. But he was probably the best option that we had in terms of him or Callahan. Yeah, and, and I just think that we do, we haven't made it easy for him. So you take away his weaknesses and give him, make his mind up for him. 
yeah. you know, give them one and two tree routes and just say, right, that's option one, that's option two. We need you guys to get separation, whether we're giving you motion, whether we're putting you in bunch formations, whether we're putting something a little bit quicker in there, just to make your mind up for you, rather than these plays that we've relied on for the last however many years, which is, you know, set play, stick route, scramble out to the side, and then we just make it up as we go along, scramble drill. And that's what, you know, Bennett struggled with, wasn't he? He talked about it. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing when the play breaks down. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah we're seeing that now when A-Rod's <laughs> not there. Nobody else is sure either. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's the reality of it. That's not an offense. That's not something to base your offense on. How can Minnesota go through three quarterbacks and still have a you know, top five offense? Why is that? You know, like Case Keenum, before he played at Minnesota, was a journeyman QB at best. Yeah. At best. Now he looks like a superstar. But this so is the thing, but that that's the debate though, Andy, isn't it? I mean, and that's that's the thing that we see thrown at Tom Brady and the Patriots all the time is that people criticize Bill Belichick. They praise him and criticize him. It's kind of a backhanded compliment in a way that they say like, oh, he's a, he's an expert roster builder. And then we put out a picture of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and we said, okay, let's settle this once and for all. Who's the better quarterback? And people said, oh, Aaron Rodgers, for sure, he's most talent, you know, and all this. And that Bre- or Tom Brady, like, he's just a system quarterback. Like, is there anything wrong with having a system that's still reliable when your key player goes down? I don't think it's savvy to have an offense that's predicated on your quarterback doing superhuman stuff. Because we even saw Aaron Rodgers struggle last year. And that's when he Aaron Rodgers was playing, like, a good quarterback who just... Because we looked at his stats at the time. His stats were amazing. But... He wasn't playing out of his skin. And the Packers seem to need Aaron Rodgers to play out of his skin to make this offense work. Like, is this a wake-up call for the Packers at this stage to say, okay, we can't sustain this type of thing? Or does Mike McCarthy and the Packers know, and including Aaron Rodgers, does Aaron Rodgers not know how to play until he's kind of effectively putting out fires? Can we have this much of a seismic shift in play calling to facilitate to become more of a, you know, air quotes kind of system based offense uh, you know instead of this kind of you know scramble drill keep the ball for ages and just see what unfolds well expand it even further it's a wake-up call isn't it so number one get a defense that's number one so defense can keep you in any sort of season as long as you're a top 10 defense number two get a running game so if you've got a running game that's robust and you can win your games and then, then you're sorted then if you just need a serviceable plug-in passer who's going to throw 15 20 passes a game mm. while your superstar QB's out then so be it but we can still win games and do we have a defense. that now, Andy? Do we no, have that no we're a million miles away from it aren't we we're, we're not well we may have the running backs but obviously there's there's some turmoil there at the moment but we're not we've never we've never sort of nailed our colors to the mast in terms of the running game have we we're, we're not a that's just not the way it pans out. Every week McCarthy talks about, oh, we didn't quite get the reps that we wanted. We didn't quite get the numbers. We didn't quite get the attempts that we did. There's never been a commitment to the run per se, has it? It's always been sort of, it's A-Rod's offense. We live or die by A-Rod. And, and you know, that, that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, build a defense, build a running game. And then when, you you know, things like this happen where A-Rod's not available, the, the wheels don't fall off the wagon altogether. You've still got a chance to sort of get where you need to get to. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yes, it's great that we have Aaron Rodgers, but maybe it is irresponsible, you know, roster building to expect the team to be able to function. Because, you know, it's it's a bad business model. I mean, if you had a business and you said, yeah, it's going really well, and you're like, oh, who's your customer? Oh, we've only got one. You know, I'd be thinking, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, no, but they pay us two million a year. Yeah, but what if something goes wrong? Nah, don't worry about it. Let's just keep cracking on. You know, it's kind of like, 
Mm, well, well okay. you know, you, you look around, don't you? you? You play a certain way, whether it's football, soccer, baseball, you know, whether you've got your minor league teams, they, they play the same way as your your franchise team, don't they? If you have a soccer team, Manchester City's reserve team play the same formation as the first team. They play the same roles, they play the same techniques, they play the same way. So if somebody gets injured and they need to go into the first team, they don't go in there and, you know, are starstruck by playing something completely different. They play the same way. You play a system that allows your people to flourish, not one that stymies them and then they become starstruck and don't perform to their full capabilities. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to it. I think the root cause for me is that uh, I'd have taken a second round draft book for him while his trade value was highest and gone in a different direction two or three years ago through the draft. That's where I would have gone with it because his stock was high probably this off-season and probably the off-season before. And you had said that publicly on the podcast. So, like, if anybody totally. wants to question that, you had come out and said, trade him yeah. now. Trade um, him now. Yeah, get the value totally. Him. So, yeah, absolutely. It's again, it's why we sort of say that you should definitely be in the front office of the Packers. So, uh, hopefully, you are <laughs> listening and aren't too cheesed off that we're not towing the company line by saying everything's going to be great. It's, well, you know, we're against the Steelers. So, Steelers are coming into this game. Uh, they've got eight wins. So, they're eight and two. Uh, they had a, you know, they did, and the two losses that they've had are to really sort of dodgy teams. The Packers are five and five. Uh, you know, their stock trending down. And I think Andy, so we put out on on Twitter and uh, on Facebook, and we have a closed Facebook group. And if you want to join that, hit our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash UK Packers, and you see it's tied to a group. Get into that closed group because there's some great debate going on. We put in that Andy, uh, sort of any questions that people want to want to ask us. And an interesting one that kind of helps us with this sort of uh, debate that we're having now is is from Jill Briggs. And let me just say, I, I sort of I just realised I didn't finish my thought. Jill, you didn't catch any of my passes. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the heat for that. All right, but she did catch a beautiful pass, I believe, uh, from Phil Rudkin uh, to bring in the put it into the end zone, which only makes me feel less adequate, right? That I just can't can't pick out a pass. But anyway, Jill says, uh, what are the top three things that the the Packers need to do to be able to beat the Steelers? Um, Andy, do you want to take this one? I'll jump in with what I see, but do, do you want to jump in with this? First off, is it even possible? And if it is possible, I mean, what type of voodoo magic do we need and how many players on the Steelers side do we need to not show up, to forget that there's a game on or get injured to uh, to allow us to win? I think the three, the three key things for me are that Antonio Brown, Big Ben, and Le'Veon Bell, if they all breach team rules in some shape or form prior to Sunday night, and aren't able to play, those would be the three key things for me that would give us a chance. (laughs) Other than that, um, get your prayer hats on. Do you know what? If if for some unknown reason the Packers managed to eke out a victory, it would taste all the sweeter being the underdog, doesn't it? So you're still going to root for the Packers. You're still going to root for that victory. But we look outmatched on both sides of the ball, and I just hope that we don't embarrass ourselves on national TV, if I'm really honest. But... You know, you cling to that hope that anything can happen on any given Sunday and um, it would taste sweet, wouldn't it? Imagine going to Pittsburgh and, and getting a victory, you know, last second, you know, Mason yeah. Cosby field goal. You'd be over the moon, wouldn't you? It would taste as sweet as any victory that we've had over the last two or three years. So, yeah, I'll still be up at one in the morning watching the game, living in hope, but I would suggest that we're way outmatched. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, right, is that... Every podcast I come on and I'm like, oh, but they can still do it. And I keep coming up with reasons why, you know, that could be possible. Um, But this this one, it just doesn't feel like that. I'm sorry. It's just from where I see the season going, from the development that I see from Hundley and the lack thereof. Um, 
I know that the Packers game plan is going to go back to conservative. So if we're using this sort of question from Jill as kind of a model of what did they, what can they, what are they able to do or what can they do? What do they need to do to beat them? Um, apart from sort of divine intervention, I think some serious things that they can do is is maybe go back to the sucky style of play that we saw for his first couple of games because if he's going to peg the ball away, you know, turnovers lead to losses. It's just as simple as that and that's what's going to end up happening. Now, so if you take a sort of offense-defense, Ben Roethlisberger, although he had kind of a stinky start to the season, he's now the 10th-ranked quarterback. So he's a top-10 quarterback. He's grading very high. Um, you know, we, we don't need to look back onto you know his game tape to see what he's capable of younger quarterback youngest quarterback in history to win a super bowl i believe um he's got antonio brown which is a reason why his grading is probably so high he's the number one wide receiver in the league and um, they've got Le'Veon bell who again has kind of dropped off a, a slight bit a guy who last year we got fed up with people saying he's the most uh, patient running back in the league uh, so we got kind of pissed off with that um i think he's gonna see an awful lot of purchase you know for a back like Le'Veon bell if he's going to have a breakout game, dare I say it, he's probably going to have it against the Packers. So offensively, uh, even with Antonio Brown alone, Andy, I think that they have a number on this one. Not unless a Big Ben has a stinker. So then if you know, if you look at their center, he's he's 15th in the league. Uh, Marquise Pouncey, he's, he's fairly handy. The, you know, the guard, he's got, they've got the number one guard in the league. Uh, you know, their number 11 tackle. You know, and then you, you go to the defensive side with looking at the linebackers. So Rain Shea, uh, Ryan Shazier is sixth in the league. He's absolutely he's unbelievable this season. Um, interior defenders, Cameron Hayward is ninth. Stephen Tewitt is twelfth. So they're strong on defense as well. Uh, TJ Watt plays for him. He's 78th ranked on pro football focus. So he's not lighting it up this season. Um, but look, people tend to have big games against the Packers. Like... I think what the Packers need to do is the dink and dunk stuff. They need to go to the tried and trusted. We've seen Devontae Adams have an absolutely ridiculous game against the Ravens to say it was stacked up all against us. But a large chunk of that is big chunk plays. And looking at how, uh, you know, Pittsburgh have played and the teams that they have played. So they played the Chicago Bears and lost 23-17. So that's one of their losses. And if you want to do that whole thing of like, you know, you know, Katie Taylor is Irish. She fought in the Olympics. I'm Irish. That means I'm Katie Taylor. And that means I fought in the Olympics and I won gold, right? So like we bet the Bears, the Bears bet the Steelers. That means we're going to beat the Steelers. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. And another absolute eye opener is Jacksonville. So they lost 30 to nine against the Jacksonville Jags. So, and that was in Heinz Field. The Steelers are capable of inexplicably making a show of me on Irish radio and I go, oh, the Steelers are definitely going to win this one, you know, but <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> looking at the roster and looking at how the teams are trending since, um, you know, like, the, like they put up 40 points against the Titans, for God's sake. Um, you know, so, Andy, I think I'm with you, buddy. I think this is going to be a loss for the Packers, unfortunately, and we're going to have to come up with some fun jingly bits or some type of... Uh, something to come on the podcast with the next time some incentive like anybody who listens gets a free mars bar because it started to get you know 80s painful watching this type of stuff yeah it is what it is isn't it it doesn't it, you know i've become more accepting of it the last couple of weeks seeing what we've got out in the field we're gonna miss kenny clark it looks like doesn't it so that's a a big old chunk of presence in the middle yeah. we're gonna miss so the levy on bell um downturn if you like may may sort of end this week um and i just think we're just outmatched on the on the perimeter aren't we antonio brown's the best wide receiver in the nfl uh, period 
Um, a Smith's used as a doubt, maybe it's with his hamstring, but they've they've got plenty of other options as well. So um, it's going to be a tough evening for us, I think. So if we're still in the game come this fourth quarter, I'll, I'll take that right now and, and see which way the coin flips. But it's going to be tough, absolutely. And we also got a question in to say, you know, if Hundley starts banging out interceptions and we're really struggling, although Mike McCarthy has been saying that he's going to stick by Hundley, do we see Callahan come in? Um, I think it would have to be injury-led or maybe it'd have to be somewhere along the lines of the uh, the Buffalo QB Peterman performance, <laughs> five interceptions um, yeah. before we before we see Rudkin. I mean, um, before we see Callahan hit the field. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you, you never know. You know, it may be, it may be the game that you know we we do swallow a big score and maybe that's the time to have a look at him you never can tell can you but um you know we've talked about it for weeks haven't we McCarthy's stubborn <laughs> you haven't yeah, figured yeah. that out yet then you've not been watching the Green Bay Packers he's stubborn so he's going to stand by his man isn't he and um he's nailed his colours to the master of Huntley so we, we, we'll see what happens yeah maybe you know like I say the, the game against New England a couple of years ago where Matt Flynn came in and did exceptionally well didn't he I think we called a a superior game that day that's you know hopefully we can figure something out along those lines this week and and make the game at least competitive into the fourth quarter and then see where we go Pittsburgh are on an upward curve aren't they so when they lost to Jacksonville and and the likes earlier in the season I think they were still sort of finding themselves Ben wasn't playing particularly well either was he He wasn't throwing the ball and was having doubts about even finishing the season to be honest but I think since they've hit their straps you know they've um, they're definitely on an upward curve, and there'll be somebody to watch deep into the playoffs on the AFC side. Yeah, it's amazing. Like at the start of the season, so in the off season, he was saying that he was potentially going to retire. Um, he's he had that kind of uh, that Brett Favre diva moment, and then during the season, he was like, "Oh, maybe I just don't have it." But he was being kind of flippant about it as well. But yeah, certainly, he seemed like you know kind of at the twilight of his career. If they do well this season, and I reckon if they if they can reach the Super Bowl even even get to those heights of winning the Super Bowl, I reckon this will be his last season he'll bow out potentially. Yeah. And something about having to pay back 16 million dollars might have had something to do with the reason why he didn't retire this season. <laughs> I don't know, uh, call me frugal or whatever. But uh Daniel Harrison came in with a question and he just to say that you know, do we think that Adams has taken over the wide receiver one spot and do you think that we'll be able to offer him enough cashola? to stay in Green Bay when his contract expires. So he's due to get his contract renewed this off-season, right? So do you see him back in the green and gold? Well, I think he's definitely number one receiver, isn't he? I think he's mm. been number one receiver um, for this year, certainly, and potentially the back end of last year. Um, he's going to be looking for around, I would think, upwards of £10 million a year. So then if you look at the commitment that we've got to Cobb and Nelson at the wide receiver position already, and you add in £10 million a year, that's... It's a big chunk of uh, salary cap that you're committing to wide receiver. So I think the proviso would be, is Cobb and Nelson prepared to renegotiate? Then you may see all three, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to pan out. Um, I really don't. I'd love to see Adams back in Green Bay because if you take him away from our receiver core, we are very one-dimensional. Um you know, Nelson and Cobb as a one and two and then throw in Allison or Davis or Janice as a three is not is not gonna scare many defences at the moment, I'm afraid. There's no synergy or sort of chemistry between Nelson and Huntley, that's clear, isn't it? Um Cobb's working from the slot. Uh, I saw some figures the other day that said that he was um, in the top five in the NFL for separation. I, I don't know where they've got those figures from. I just don't see that. Um 
and, and without Adams, we'd be pretty bland because um, he's been the, the go-to guy for Hundley and, and I think A-Rod towards the start of the season as well. Yeah, now, call me crazy, right? But I, I think something to do with it is is that I think Jordy Nelson, unless it's a, it's a blown coverage, I think can find it difficult to get separation. And that's why he was, you know, these famous back shoulder throws are something of a specialty. And I don't know whether that's because he feels that he doesn't need to get that separation because only he can get the ball and do this tiptoe ballerina stuff. Um, because his his numbers show that he is elite. Randall Cobb, I think I think I saw that stat, and he was like eighty three percent of all plays that he was on was was in the slot. So you know how much of a legit number two he would be if Adams left. And I think when we saw Nelson go down and Cobb was expected to by some people to step up into that wide receiver one position, you know it just really did not at all pan out for him. And he had one of his worst seasons in Green Bay. Um, so like call me mental here, but. Like, is Adams not the elite wide receiver one now because, and he's the go-to guy for Hundley? I, because I don't think it's because he has the chemistry. I think it's because when you're a rookie, effectively, which is what I'm going to call Hundley because, you know, he's kind of an NFL version to a degree in the regular season, is that when you look downfield, the person who's running the crispest routes and getting the most separation is the person you're going to go to, and that seems to be Adams. And do you think that isn't? Am I am I off base here, or do you think that that's why, and that's the value that Adams has in this offense? That he's the only one of the wide receiver core that are are managing to to give Hundley the chance to make a play. It's it, you nail on the head, today, To be honest, it's um, whatever level of football you play at a QB is trust, isn't it? So the first thing you trust is the hands. Yeah. So if you're going to throw them the ball, are they going to come down with it? So you'll likely get one or two bites of the cherry. But once you've dropped a couple, they're going to go somewhere else, particularly on times of need, third down, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's the first thing. Separation, clearly, he's got, he's, he's added a real sharpness to his to his work and, you, and it's reflective in his play. He's very crisp in his route running. Um, I'd say he's in the top sort of three or four in the NFL in terms of the routes that he runs. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's quick enough. I don't think it was, he's, just, he's not a speedster, is he? But I think he's quick enough to, mm. to get downfield. So I think he's got all the assets that you look for in a, in a number one receiver. Um, and he, and he, he plays well in the cold weather as well. So that's another, you know, a thing you look for in green Bay as well, isn't it? So I think, I'd love to see him back in a Packers uniform and he clearly is a number one for, for all the reasons you've just alluded to. Right, now, I didn't want to poke the bear tonight but I think I'm going to poke the bear, right? So we have another question in here <laughs> and this this uh, reminds me of something that we were talking about during the week um, because, you know, as true, all true Packer fans are, you know, it's kind of like, hey Andy, how's the kids? Hey Steve, you had a kids are good, how are your kids? You had a kids are great but anyway, let's get on to the important stuff. So the Packers, right? <laughs> and then we'll be chatting away. So this uh, Andy Andy Toplift comes in and says, you know, why don't we get a back uh, a veteran backup for next season a quarterback? And he ends this Andy with because TT is a fool, right? Now, I don't want to I don't want to get into the TT is a fool and start uh, you know lobbing insults at the guy, but I think this might strike a chord with you because you got into a pretty heated debate about you know whether TT has it, whether he's lost sharpness, whether TT has in fact lost a step. Um, so I don't know if you want to spend maybe two seconds talking about the veteran QB thing and tell us a little bit about that exchange you got involved in um, earlier in the week and just hit up hand out for you, buddy. <laughs> so the, the veteran QB thing, I just I just don't see it outside of the injuries. I just don't see there was going down that road. We're too far down the road now with A-Rod. His recuperation looks to be going well, doesn't it? So I just don't think the, the time it would take them to, to learn the system, to learn the language, to become acclimatised to, to Green Bay and how we run things is just, timescales just don't add up. Add to that, 
Thompson's proved that he's not an active suitor in the free agent market during the season. In fact, I'm not even sure he lives in the US during the off, during the season. He might be somewhere in the Maldives or yeah. on a on a desert island somewhere. I'm not even sure he's he watches the NFL to be honest. So I, I mean, that's just where I'm at with that. Tim Thompson has, has done a fantastic job for for the Green Bay Packers because he brought a you know he brought a ring home to title town. So you're never going to lose sight of that. But I think that the facts are that over the last four or five years, his philosophy of draft and develop just hasn't come off because he's drafted poorly. He's never been great in free agency. And and some of the, some of the drafts that we've had have been, we're seeing now the fruits of those drafts. They've been poor. He's drafted poorly. And I think that we're seeing the, the result of that. So if you go back to sort of 2014, for example, um, I give him a pass on that one. So you always talk to me about oh, grade the draft, grade the draft, and we go, oh, it's an A plus. Well, well, actually, 2014 probably now is the time to grade that draft. Yeah. And we've got sort of, you know, uh, Devontae Adams, Clinton Dix, uh, Corey Lindsley, Jeff Janis. Um, so, so a decent crop from the from the 2014 draft. Um, but when you look at it, we still sort of took the likes of Kyrie Thornton, uh, Richard Rogers, who's sort of been okay, uh, Carl Bradford, who's out of the NFL now, uh, Jared Abraderis. So there's some there's some misses there as well. Um, and then you move on to two, 2015, and, and players on the roster now that are you know doing okay. Montgomery is he an All Pro? No, he's not. Jake Ryan um, serviceable. Brett Huntley, we've talk to death you know uh, Ripkowski so a fallback so you could probably pick a fallback up in free agency anywhere then we look at the, the sort of top picks if you like so we chose uh, Demarius Randall who could you have picked uh, at that position we could have had Landon Collins who was an all pro for the Giants hmm. you could have had Eric Kendricks who's a you know a virgin and all pro linebacker for the Vikings Quinton Rollins so on IR and has not been great um, I was screaming for David Johnson, the, the running back from Northern Illinois. He yeah. went to the Cardinals. He, he's done. He's done okay for himself. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or Tyler Croft, the tight end for the Bengals, who I would have picked over Rollins. And then you've got Jake Ryan, but you could have had sort of Grady Jarrett, the big nose at, at Atlanta, or you could have had Stephon Diggs. And again, he, he's done okay, hasn't he? So my, my point is that there's, there's there's another miss there, another year gone that you've. The talent's dwindled. It's not improved, the talent. You go to 2016. He took um, Jason Spriggs, which was the most Thompson-esque pick ever, and you knew he was going to take him because of his measurables. But he could have had Deion Jones, you know, the athletic sort of hybrid linebacker that I've been screaming for for two or three years now. He took Dean Lowry in the fourth, and he could have had, you know, Zach Prescott or Jordan Howard. You know, and that brings me to my point around Brett Huntley. Actually, I'd have traded in a way because, you know, if we're going to stick to the best player available um, mantra that Thompson persuades the press that he sticks by. You can't tell me looking at college tape that Dean Larry was a better player than either Jordan Howard or Zach Prescott. It's just that Prescott. It's just not feasible. So again, it's another miss for me. And then we chose Trevor Davis over Tyreek Hill mm. because of character issues with Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't know. I wasn't in the war room, so I don't know the, the facts behind that. But the reality is Tyreek Hill is leagues and leagues above uh, Trevor Davis in terms of being a weapon. So again, for me, it's a draft fail, and and so you know you go into this year's crop, and it you can, you know, last year's crop as well. So we're looking at maybe Kenny Clark, and like you said, and maybe Blake Martinez. But after that, I don't see where we've improved our squad. It's just 
we, we've gone the wrong direction. And if you're going to have a Super Bowl winning teams, you always see a three-year span before the year that it, it, it comes to fruition where you draft solidly. So when you look back at 2010, in 08, we drafted Nelson, Finley and Sitton. In 09, we drafted Raji, Matthews, TJ Lang. And in 10, we drafted Bulaga, Mike Neal and, and Morgan Burnett. Strong, strong, all pro, pro ball quality players. And you go back as far as sort of um, the 96 squad. In 94, I drafted Aaron Taylor and Dorsey Levins. 95, I drafted Henderson, uh, Craig Newsom, Brian Williams, Antonio Freeman, Adam Timmerman, you know, Wayne Simmons, George T, Earl Dotson, Doug Evans the year before that. So you see that the years before leading up to the pinnacle, we build talent, you build, you know, build depth and you build quality and you throw in your free agents to sort of put the cherry on the cake. Yeah. Charles Woodson's or your Ryan Pickett's, your Reggie White's and your Brett Favre's and bingo, you've got a winning squad. So there's no coincidence there. You build championship teams through the draft, but you need to add that little bit of free agency magic on top just to take you over the hump. And I just think that the last three or four years we've been way off on drafting. I just don't, you know, I just don't get it. I think he's he's lost a step <laughs> in real terms. And, and I don't think he's ever been very good in terms of free agency. I don't think he's a great communicator. I don't think he he sort of he doesn't come across particularly well on a, on a microphone anyway, does he? He's not a he's not great in the press room. But I just don't think he's a great. He sort of he's he's very reclusive, isn't he? He keeps himself to himself and doesn't spend a lot of time um, either talking to the press or talking to players. He's very comfortable at the college level, but not at the pro level. That's how I see it. And um, for me, you know, you live or die by the sword. And what he's produced over the last three or four years has been short of the required standard. And that's what you're seeing out on the on the on the field now is an average, below average NFL squad. And that's what he's drafted. Um, so for all those screaming, oh, he won a Super Bowl, get it, respect it, appreciate it. And in years to come, we'll we'll all talk about it. But but actually, right now, he hasn't done a great job for for a number of years. And you're seeing that on the field now. So I don't know how you defend that, really, because the facts are there. And it's not me saying after the event, oh, you could have drafted so-and-so, so-and-so, or you could have drafted so-and-so. So you you know me, I talk from the heart and I talk as it is. Those players were there and they're there for a reason. You've got to go for a different type of athlete and, and dynamic. And he's just not prepared to go that direction. So you look at Tyreek Hill, for example, absolutely that it's on the tape. You can see it. He had quickness, sharpness. You know, he was a, a dangerous player, but because there was a few character issues, not even on our board, not even on our radar. Trevor Davis from USC, straight as a die, we'll get him in. You know, and that's not a knock on Trevor Davis because, you know, maybe he'll come good. But for me, that's the difference. That's the difference for us. You know, I just don't see it. Um, I think it's time for him to step aside and go and do college director of football or whatever it is, but but not the GM of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, there's, and you mentioned a couple of things there. I mean, if you're not going to be a people person, I think the NFL is where you need to be a people person. You need to be that people manager. You need to have that communication open because we've seen it have a knock-on effect in the Packers locker room. We heard rumours that, you know, Josh Sitton had become a disruptive force, that people had got annoyed. And I think it's easier to lose the locker room when you don't treat those people with kind of, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, you know, it's all conjecture really at this stage. Um, exactly what happened there because no one from either side has come out and said definitively this is the issue but like fantastic piece Andy I mean we can see there and you've, you've laid it out for everybody you know the draft history and we'll just have to see now what direction we go in because you know apparently there is a succession planning there 
Um, we've seen the likes of Elliot Wolf being promised effectively the job. Now, whether that's just media hype or not, um, who knows? So another question we got asked was from John Baker, who says, you know, which members of the coaching staff are back next season? And I don't think I don't think that's something that we can answer. We would have expected Dom Capers to have gone last year, but Mike McCarthy's decided to stick with him. Now, that hasn't panned out too well. Well, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you feel about it. When we look up front and how we've done, we've done really well. I mean, Clay Matthews, for some reasons, had a resurgence in his career. I don't know whether he smells blood in the water and things, you know, I'm not worth the 10 to 12 million a year that I'm getting. Um, I don't know. Like, can you, is there any obvious coaches that you can pick out and say, right, Zuck's gone, you know, Capers is gone, and, and extend that then to... Ted Thompson, do you think that, okay, they definitely make the change there also? Do they bring in a new head coach at the same time, which is, again, is a blasphemy to bring up, but, you know, because we have people use that philosophy, right? You can get a GM who comes in and says, okay, we need to clear house. It doesn't seem like the Packer way. Um, any ideas? No, I'd like to see the GM change first and then let everything else take its course. If it's a new GM, um, if you go outside of the model, whether it's John Dorsey or John Schneider or any of those guys, then then if you're a GM, then you want full control. Um, for, and from that point onwards, I'm happy. You know, when Ron Wolf came in, he you know he got rid of sort of Lindy Infante, wasn't it, and, and brought in his own man. And, and you do your own things your own way, and you have a you have a plan, and you stick to that plan. So I'm cool with changing the GM and we'll see where that goes. I've said all along, I like McCarthy. I think he's got his edges. Um, but I do think he needs a new GM to um, to bounce off. I think he's frustrated and has taken a lot of the flack on his own shoulders. And the element of frustration is etched across his face. So when he talks about um, lack of depth or lack of support in certain positions, he alludes to it in all but name, but doesn't. And uh, that for me is his frustration with, you know, lack of support from the, the GM. I really do think that he talks about the program and I think he runs the program the right way. I do think he needs to, to be a people leader and not an offensive coordinator. I think he does need to, to sort of drop those reins and give it to someone more creative. Um, and, and the same goes for the defence. I think Dom needs to be, be long gone in the summer and we need someone younger, fresher in terms of ideas who can make the most of some of the athletes and the talent that we have within the squad. Um, at special teams, I would make a change. Um, they're quite high on some of the position coaches, aren't they? The receivers coaches, um, Joe Witts of this world, Winston Moss. Um, so I'm okay with all that. But again, it, it would come from the, from the GM for me. I'd like to see it a clean sweep from the top down and, and let's just see where we end up. You know, I think you do need some stability. Stability is important, isn't it? So anytime you've got a franchise that wins things, your Pittsburghs of this world, your New England's of this world, your Green Bay's of this world, the common theme is you do have that stability. You don't have that knee-jerk reaction to three or four results where you, you sort of clean house and bring a whole new coaching team in. So for that reason, I would like to see some stability. Uh, and McCarthy, for me, would be that consistent. Um, but I would like in and around that, I think there's a number of changes that do need to be made just to freshen it up in terms of ideas and ethos. Well, Andy, when they give you the call, employer, tell you to come in, uh, you know, trust <laughs> a few freebies every now and then, will you? Will you invite us over <laughs> for a game or two? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I probably won't put you at the QB position though, Steve, just yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. Although, I don't know, if I'm up against uh, some of, you know, maybe Brett Hundley, I might have a chance. 
Or maybe not. Um, so look, the, uh, great podcast again, Andy. Ch- cheers for coming on. I think everyone out there from all the comments that we see in social media are really enjoying it. Uh, although, you know, we'll have the people that miss Rhino, uh, you know, maybe send some candles in, light a few prayers, maybe send an electrician around his house, <laughs> uh, sort of guy out. Uh, but Andy, fantastic. You are not the Brett Hundley of back of stand-ups. I think you're more the, the Tom Brady to Ryan Peacock's Drew Bledsoe. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's a bit harsh. Is that a bit harsh? It's a harsh. I don't know if that's it's harsh. A, it's, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. I threw my fair share of interceptions, let's be honest. It was that slippy ball. Was that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was that slippy ball. Keep, yeah, keep talking, keep talking about that we didn't talk about your uh 50 yard completion or did we? we didn't talk about that did we yeah over the shoulder catch yeah i will tell you i wasn't bad for a second attempt so basically it, it kind of got to the stage with our quarterback play in the flag game where phil just said right lads just i want to see you in the end zone just go as far away from me as possible as you can i don't know whether some of us were stinking at that stage but he said just <laughs> you know get down the field see what happens so again i'm actually pretty now in fairness i'm handy enough I'm, I'm tidy enough i have the build of someone who looks athletic but totally isn't i spend most of the day sitting at a desk eating marshmallows but like you know and effectively looking like one around the waist so when he just says to me get down there so i use my quick feet nimble enough got down and uh, phil phil floated his gorgeous pass up but it's sort of this one I'm going to say in my head, this is kind of like what Ryan was saying about the field goal, even though his was completely not true and probably neither is mine. It, the ball hung weird in the air and I was running and I looked back. I got so self-conscious about my long hair and my hat falling off. Yeah, I, You know what I mean? My, my painted nails. I couldn't deal with it. So it came down and I muffed it and then we tried it again and it came down with a nice completion. It's weird though, Andy, isn't it? When you come down with a long completion, most of them you've absolutely no idea where you are in the field. So I could have been in the end zone. I could have been out the back of the end zone. I was just happy I caught it. I was like, geez, you got to do this for the people. Got to do it yeah, for the yeah. people. Yeah, get on film. That's the thing. Is did someone get get it on camera? That's what I was uh, asking the question after the game. I don't think so because you know what? It's like NFL films. I reckon if they were looking at the game, they're like, let's just not waste the tape. <laughs> let's just not <laughs> let's just not record anything of them on offense because it's going to be interceptions. So let's just get all of you guys. Yeah, but um, you played well as usual, of course. <sighs> Well, we, we hung in there. We had a we had a balanced offense. That's what we had. It might have <laughs> took us it might have took us forty five seconds in the huddle, but we uh, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we had a balanced offense. Yeah, I was going to call it delay a game on sportsmanlike conduct. Uh, you know, there was all types of hurls of abuse coming at you, but uh, we were just happy to get a breather in fairness between plays. So. I think we'll end the podcast there. Let's see how we find uh, and we do against the Steelers. It's not as optimistic as like, let's come back on after the victory Monday. If we can get a victory Monday, I'll be severely surprised. Um, sweet. Yeah, so look, uh, anybody, what you want to do is the Super Bowl tickets are still available. So pop on and buy those. There's only a couple left. Um, and that's in Birmingham so it's nice and central because look let's face it although we hope to be in the Super Bowl we're not going to be there and it's going to be the biggest bash that we have it's going to be an absolute blowout night uh, you can get the tickets for the Super Bowl and the room for £60 all in so the whole thing uh, the hotel itself has the gym and spa and rest assured to anybody who is in Dublin they have a field out the back which is why we got it uh, so we cannot be kicked off especially by lads who are going to do and pull and rip down us out onto the field to tell us that we're damaging the field uh, while giving us the peace sign and, and rocking off so that's going to be great um, as well as that go to instagram.com forward slash UK Packers hit us up there like some of our memes we try to keep a good sense of humour even when we're dying inside um, from myself at NFL on Twitter um, from my old buddy my old pal at Shrew Andy Davies make sure you give him a follow um, and just you know insult him for being a Fairweather fan even though he's been a fan from the 80s that really sets him off that's a nice top tip and follow the group at UK Packers don't do that he's going to bring my neck the next time I see him uh, follow the group at UK Packers and make sure to go and hit us up on Facebook as well I think I've hit every base Andy um, it's goodbye till after the Steelers game yeah see you next week cheers mate